All right. Good morning, church. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we are in our uh, series entitled Chosen. As you know, uh, if you've been with us for any uh, length of time, especially since May, we've been in the book of um, Ephesians. Ephesians, and it's entitled Chosen. Uh, we started early May, and uh, we're going to end it off here next Sunday. Um, how, many, how many of you excited that we are ending this series? Yeah. I know, no, no. It's been amazing. Um, how about, how many of you excited to start a brand new series on September the 3rd, uh, the Winter Circle? Uh, we're going to teach you how to win in every area of life uh, over the course of five weeks. So we're going we're gonna to make sure you, uh, going into the holidays, you're, you're equipped. Um, yeah, so welcome to Highlight Church. Uh, let's give it up for our first-time guests. We love you. And we honor you. And um, don't mind the smoke behind me. It, uh, there it is. Um, yeah, let's go to Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. Here we go. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, Paul is saying, um, sorry, I lost my thing. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hey, so you know, um, the, obje the objective of competitive competition sports is to score more points than your opponent. Um, you know, at the end of, the bas of, of a basketball game, if you have more points, you, you win. Same thing with football, hockey, baseball. Um, then there are a few sports um, where you succeed because, you know, it takes less attempts to win, such as golf. Um, so you, you want to be in the negatives whenever you're playing golf. You never want to have a plus. That's not a good sign. If you've ever watched golf and you've seen the scorecard and they had a plus and you wondered why they were on the bottom, it's because that's a bad thing. They took more attempts to get the, the golf ball where it needed to be. And so um, it's always about offense and scoring as many points as you possibly can. Um, and so that means you have an opponent. And that opponent's job is to stop you from scoring. Uh, the opponent's job is to uh, minimize your impact and your effectiveness um, in the game. And so once you get on defense, you want to make sure they're not scoring. If you're playing football, you want to intercept it or cause a fumble or you want that fourth down to come because that offensive team has to punt it to you and you get back on offense so you can score. Um, so just whenever you're trying to score or, or whenever you're trying to elevate or get better in life, it's just like competition sports. You can expect opposition. Whenever you seek to get better, um, smarter, uh, more effective, you can expect resistance, attack, um, opposition. Um, what I've come to find out whenever I read scripture, 
because I got a lot of heroes in here, Joshua, David, um, Moses. Uh, there's a lot of good men and women in the scripture is that they had a great calling, but with it came great struggle. And they had, a, they, they had an amazing pursuit, but along with that came great pushback. And so we shouldn't expect growth or prosperity or promotion to come easy. Um, um, opposition is the best friend of opportunity. And so um, there's no uh, uh, successful quick schemes in the kingdom of God. Uh, we can expect opposition. And you know, God has given you a calling. There's a reason you were born. There's a reason you were, you were born in this generation during this time. You have a, a reason. There's a calling. Anything that's ever been created was created to solve a problem. And uh, you have a calling. There's a passion. There's a burden. You may not know what it is, but we're going to help you out with that in a few minutes here. And it's not to make money. It's not to receive a paycheck. Your calling isn't a paycheck. You have something that God has put you on this earth to accomplish, and you have a great calling. And Satan doesn't want you to discover nor ever step into or pursue that calling. Because if you do, the kingdom of darkness better watch out. This church has a mission to fulfill. <clears throat> we have a calling here at Highlight. Our vision is, is that we exist to shine the light of the good news so people may find true life in Jesus Christ. It's based out of Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. And so with that, we understand that Satan doesn't want people, as we studied last week, Satan doesn't want to go to hell alone. So why allow a church to advance? Why allow people that aren't perfect yet love him to get together to advance God's agenda. Why allow that? Why allow broken people to get together so that other broken people that are caught in their sin can see that, man, this thing actually works. Huh, let me give Jesus a try. Let me give church a try. Why would he allow that? Why would he not cause division? Why would he not cause strife? Why would he not why would he not batter it with words and, and negativity and lies? Why would he not undermine it? Why would he not dishonor what God is attempting to do in the earth? Because healthy churches are planted in cities for people like you and I. The world isn't going to give you what you need. So Satan doesn't like it. And God chooses to operate through the local church. Satan will oppose it. And we are to stand against Satan when he opposes our advancement. In your personal life, stand against Satan when he opposes your advancement. And so um, Paul is in prison to give you context of Ephesians. And he's probably chained to a, a Roman centurion, a Roman guard. And... Uh, Paul has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ across three continents. He's pretty much come to his end. And uh, he thinks, man, I've garnered so much success, yet it's landed me in prison. I've done the will of God, yet it's landed me in prison. Um, but I can see that there has been success because of all of the hundreds of thousands of people's lives that have been changed across these three continents. 
And so he begins to think, man, how have I done this by foot and by boat and by horse across three continents? And he looks at the Roman centurion guard and he starts to look at his equipment and his armor. And the first thing that that he sees, as we just read here, is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. So whenever he's writing the church of Ephesus, he's writing in the order that the, the soldier would have been dressed in. So the belt of truth would have went on first. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. What, what was the purpose of it? It was to hold everything together. You ever felt like your life was a mess? Like it was all over the place. You know, this relationship's jacked up. My money's a little funny. Got a little struggle here, a little illness about to come on, feel a little something in my throat. The job hasn't called back that I applied to, so I'm stuck with this stupid job. You ever feel a little like things are just all over the place, like people didn't understand you and all that? And so he said this, in order to to make sure that things are in order and that things are in place, you got to put on the belt of truth first. And the belt of truth is Jesus. First, and he holds it all together. Because God is sovereign. So what's out of your control, I'm going to talk to the people that are listening today because I'm serving and I'm looking for the love. And I got one over here. I got a few in here. I got a few here. So I'm going to just preach to the people that are showing me love this morning. All all the rest of y'all, I need y'all to smile at me. I need you to do a little something because it's cold and I'm up here and I don't know my notes and I don't know what I'm saying. So periodically I'll hit y'all with one of these and I'll keep going. But anyway, Jesus is the belt of truth because what's out of your control is in his control. And so he says this on John 14, 6. He says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That word truth is aletheia in the Greek. And it means that I am God's reality for your life. You can choose to live in these realities. These false, I don't know, what you, whatever lives we try to create without God, whatever you want to call them. Whatever pursuits we try to pursue without, whatever you want to call these things. Or, or you can put me on, not just tuck me away in your heart on one Sunday, but you can put me on every day. You, you can put on my instruction every day. You can put on my word every day. You can obey me every day. It doesn't make you perfect because that's why there's grace, but you can choose to put me on. You can choose to read this Bible for at least five to 10 minutes every day. And guess what's going to happen? Everything that's out of your control is seemingly going to submit to you because you choose to put me on and I'm going to put it under your feet and I'm going to help you overcome your enemies and I'm going to help you overcome every struggle in your life. So the belt of truth needs to go on first every day. And Paul is wondering, man, how did I do this in so many years, three continents, hundreds of thousands of lives saved? What did I do? Oh, I remember I put on Jesus every day. Paul didn't know it, but he would write almost half of the Bible. But how did he almost write half of our Bible? Because he put on Jesus every day. And so Satan thinks he has him. He's in shackles. Then he mentions the uh, vest of God's righteousness or uh, the body armor or for our KJV scholars, the the breastplate of righteousness. 
And uh, this thing you put on over the front. Now, mind you, there is no armor in the back. So God never calls you to look at the devil and turn your back on him and run from the devil. Because that's, as soon as you turn from the devil and turn your back and run from the devil, he's going to shoot you in your back. So you stand against Satan. You stand against circumstances. You stand against setbacks. You, you face that sucker and you go head on. So he, he mentions the armor or the vest of righteousness. And the vest of righteousness protects all of your vital organs. Namely, the heart. Because we've gotten to this place where we've come to believe that we're saved by works. And that if I would do A, B, and C, God loves me. If I show up to church once a month, I got it right. I got the church check off right. If I, if I give this amount of money to this uh, uh, social injustice issue, I got it right, but yet you don't tithe to God's house. I got it right. I did something good, even though I'm going to write it off on my taxes as a tax deduction. What? I got it right. And so we're trying to get right with God through works when God says in his Bible and in his word that your works are as of filthy rags. So Jesus came and he died for us on a cross and it's by faith that we're saved. What Satan is always going to attempt to do is tell you that God hates you, he doesn't love you, and you can't do good enough to get on God's side. And so this verse, Ephesians 2.8, tells us this. 2.8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And when you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Salvation is not a reward. Jesus did all the work on the cross. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. A lot of you believers in Christ, you have to kick the religious mentality. Whenever church is just a checkoff box, you rob God of the power he wants to place in your life. Whenever it just becomes, I went to church and I'm good, or I opened the door for that old lady, I'm good. It's not about that. It's about receiving his grace, his free gift of salvation, and walking that out. There are good things that he has prepared for you. And Satan does not want you to know or to fulfill the good things, or to experience the good things. Some of you are so, oh my God, I remember back in the day, it was so good. I miss my friends from back in the day. I miss, I miss 2005. I miss 2010. I miss 2008. And that's how Satan wants you to think. He wants you to think that your best days are in your past and not in your future. That's what he wants you to think. You are in a war. You're in a war. You're in a war, and I want to give you three things that's going to equip you if you would apply the spiritual truths, and if you would walk them out. I believe that you can defeat the enemy every day. Number one, you got to pursue purpose. Pursue purpose. Paul says this. He says, in Ephesians 6.15, for shoes, 
put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Put on the shoes. Shoes represent readiness. So I put my shoes on. I'm going somewhere, going to the gym, uh, going to work, going to church, going outside. I'm, I'm ready to go. My shoes are on and, and I'm ready to go. And so Paul was encouraging the church in Ephesus, look, your purpose as a follower of Jesus is to always be prepared wherever you go to share the peace of God that you've received with those that don't know God. Your purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in your workplace, at the coffee shop, in your home, amongst your children, amongst your girlfriend, your boyfriends, whoever. Your purpose is to share and to show Jesus. So he said, what I need you to do is, is, is I need you to spiritually put on your shoes first thing in the morning. You need to pursue purpose. Your purpose is not a paycheck. Your purpose is not your eight to five. Your purpose is not your sales quotas. God doesn't, he cares about it, but he really doesn't. It's like third or fourth or 50th in his list. Your purpose is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. Because we get so caught up. And have we watched the news lately? That cat done left the administration. Charlottesville. Have we watched the news lately? I always tell people this. If you're a Christian, you're never unemployed. That just went over like majority of the crowd. Just can you say that again? I'm sorry. I was I was staring at you. If you are a Christian, you're never unemployed. Your purpose is rooted in your passion. Your passion, y'all ain't even taking notes in here. Your passion is rooted in a problem that you have with a dysfunction in the world. You have a burden for something. You have a problem with a dysfunction in the world, and it eats you up at night. But you're looking at this dysfunction. You're looking at this thing that you want to fix, and you don't see the immediate return from pursuing that thing that you want to fix. So Satan has you focused on money when God is saying, I need you to focus on passion and burden. Some of you, God has shown he's put a burden in your heart for the hungry, the poor, the homeless, the sick. But you look at it and you see, man, how can I make a living that I want to make doing that thing? And that's why Satan has you stuck, because you won't pursue burden. You won't pursue passion. You won't pursue purpose. So every time you pursue something that's less than the passion and the burden that God has put in your heart, Satan confuses you. And you're not, you're not happy where you are right now because you won't stay true to the burden that God has put in your heart. When I was 21, I was uh, pre-med. And there were three medical schools that I was going to apply to. My GPA was great. My MCAT was okay, but I was competitive enough to get into one of three medical schools. And I knew it. And my, uh, my guidance counselor said, all right, Josh, let's um, put in your application. 
And uh, I had a year left. I had a fourth year in undergrad left. And, you know, I told her, I said, you know, it was Miss Brown. She's such a sweet lady, Miss Brown. Um, I said, you know, I'm going to do my fourth year, and I'm going to wait some time after I graduate. Um, and I'll, I'll call you because, you know, I'm going to move back to Orlando, and I'll give you a call. Um, we'll just keep my stuff on file. And uh, I really appreciate you, Miss Brown. And uh, I, got back, I got back home to Orlando. I was 22, 23 at the time. And uh, I went on a 21-day fast. And I had to be honest. I asked God, for, I was going to do 21 days. I asked God, Lord, the only thing I want you to do on this fast is speak to me. Because I, I know what you've put on my heart. But I know if I go this route, I know the outcome is sure. I know if I go this route, I'm first generation. There's not like generational blessing. There's, there's not like a church handed down to me. I'm not even ordained. I've already did undergrad. Jesus, what, I got to go to seminary another three or four years. I don't feel like doing that. And on day 10, the Lord spoke. And whenever the Spirit speaks to your heart, it will always be accompanied by peace and clarity. And he spoke. And he said, I've called you to be a pastor. And I said, all right. I put away all my med school applications, everything. I, I didn't want to go on what was sure because it was going to be a, distract, a, a distraction from what God was calling me to. And so I saw a problem. I saw a generation moving further and further away from God because of how we had been raised and taught because of what we saw our parents do in their relationships with God, how we were judged or whatever. And um, that problem ignited a passion, a passion to study, a passion to serve the poor, a passion to give up what I knew for who I knew needed me to be in the position that I'm currently in today. And that passion informed my purpose. My purpose, and my purpose, I love it, it should be yours too, is the same as Jesus Christ. It's to get more people to heaven and to make sure that less people enter hell. It's to make sure that people know Christ and that they will walk with him all the days of their lives. It's to make sure that you know that you have a calling, that you have a purpose, that you have a reason, a reason to live, that you are not defeated, and that God loves you. That's my purpose. This church has a purpose. And when you pursue purpose, you paralyze Satan's pursuit of stopping you. When you pursue purpose, you paralyze Satan's pursuit. So every day, what are you aiming for? What is your goal? Where are you going? What is your burden? What are you aiming for? Where are you going? What is your burden? How are you serving? How are you speaking? Who are you telling about Christ? How are you showing your, your coworkers who Jesus is? What is your purpose? Pray for it. Get one and pursue it. Jesus put it like this. Jesus was a man who pursued purpose. All that time, 
some Pharisees said to him, Luke 13, at that time, some Pharisees said to him, get away from here if you want to live. The Pharisees, they're the religious leaders of Jesus's time. Interesting. Um, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. He was a king. Herod was a king who uh, hated anyone that threatened to take over his kingdom. I love Jesus. Watch this. This is how you can defeat the enemy every day. Jesus replied, go tell that fox. That means fool. That means con artist. That means fraud. Yeah, Jesus called people idiots. Go tell that fox. We don't serve no punk. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We don't serve a punk. Sit around here walking like, I'm a Christian. No, no, we don't serve a punk. We serve the God who created the universe. Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. He pursued purpose. And as we can see, Satan will even use people to distract you, to tear down the very foundation of what God is building in your life and what God has called you to. He will use people. And so he said, go tell that idiot, you idiots, the Pharisees were idiots, that today I cast out demons, tomorrow I heal people, and when I rise on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. I'm pursuing purpose. So you got to get those shoes on. You got to get ready every morning and pursue that purpose. You got to get on the offensive with Satan. You can't back up to a wall. You can't be waiting on something to happen. You can't wait on someone to send you $5,000 in the bank. You got to get your shoes on and pursue purpose. You pursue purpose, the provision will come. When the first seven people told me and my wife and Chris no to this church plant, we said, oh, well, we still pursuing purpose. And God gave a whole new seven. You got to pursue purpose. That's what's wrong, man. We, we've become so comforted in it. We have our technology and we have our, our, our cars and our clothes and we have all this stuff and it has paralyzed our pursuit of godly kingdom purpose. People need you to wake up and to share the gospel of Jesus before you try to share anything else. Show them Jesus and share Jesus wherever you do, and God will then begin to bless your life. I'm serious about this thing, man. You have to understand this, number two, that there, so apply pursuing purpose, but understand this. There is an assault on your destiny. There's an assault on your destiny. The the devil done tied my water bottle up. Jesus. All right. Hmm. And Paul says this, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. In ancient warfare, uh, fiery darts in massive amounts uh, were sent out by one of the armies, um, massive amounts at the beginning of the war. 
like before the other army was even ready to, to step up, massive amounts that would just come showering down. And they did this in order to cause confusion and panic um, in the enemy's camp. And some of you have um, wondered for, this is actually from, from Rome. We, we believe historically that this was the specific Roman guard who Paul was looking at. This is his um, shield, Amazon. Um, <laughs> His name was Amazon. And uh, they would be sent out in large amounts, like rain showers, in order to cause confusion and panic um, in the enemy army. And you wonder why when Sunday night pops around and, and Monday is about to come up, why anxiety raises up in your heart and in your mind, discouragement, uh, doubt, and fear. Whenever a new week is about to start or a new day, that's because the enemy is attempting to stall you from your destiny, from your arrival point. See, Satan knows. It's interesting. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 where a boy, um, young boy, he's demon-possessed, and the father brings the boy to Jesus, and he says, good teacher, you know, help, help us. You know, I don't know what to do anymore. Your disciples couldn't cast the demon out. Help us. And Jesus is, you know, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but he's there kind of biting an apple like, so what's going on? Like, tell me about the boy. What's the diagnosis? And he tells him the symptoms. And um, Jesus says, how long has this been happening? I love that question because that gives us insight as to Satan's knowledge about our potential. Jesus says, how long has this been happening? And the father answered, as of a child. Meaning that we always say that God has a plan for you. But as soon as we come out of the womb, so does Satan. Because what he sees is he sees a threat to his kingdom. And he sees someone who's powerful beyond what we can imagine. And so Satan <clears throat> will shoot his fiery darts, fear and discouragement at you at the top of the day, at the beginning of the week. And he does this because he knows that God has shown you something. I believe everyone in this room, God has shown you a greater future possibility. He's shown you that you can be on top of a business, of a corporation. He's shown you that you can be financially free. He's shown you that you can be happily married even after a divorce. He's shown you that there's more in store. And so what Satan wants to do every single day is eat away at your confidence, eat away at your faith, bring up your past, bring up your mistakes, Bring up your sin. He wants to do this at the top of your week and at the top of your day. But God has shown you. God, God has shown you something. He's shown you something, but he's not going to give it to you until 2020. He's shown you something, but it's not going to be released in your life until 2021. He's shown you something. And so Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for, 
will actually happen. The shield of faith is the confidence that the very thing that God has shown you and that you hope for will happen. So the fact that you have faith and confidence means that what God has shown you is in fact stored up for you. And Satan knows this. It's just right now it's stored up in heaven and it's waiting to become a physical manifestation and a reality. But Christ and the Lord has called you to show up in faith. I'm so sorry if it's cold in here. That's probably what's causing you all to be shivering. But we, we got to do something about this next Sunday because it is impactful and it's a distraction. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. So faith gives you the assurance about things you cannot see. Think about it. Think about it. Or have you been so dimmed and so blinded that you can't see beyond today? Has God never shown you something greater? Even for my, my, my older crowd, that's just, that's the term. I don't consider you old, but I'm just using it. Even if you're 60, has God not shown you something greater? You're telling me that you're going to remain for the next 20 years, if you're alive until the age of 80, you're telling me that this is all you have to look forward to? Is a pension and a 401k and a social security? Has God not shown you something? Satan doesn't want you to reach that something. So you know what, what Paul said? Paul said you got to put up what God has shown you in order to stop what's been sent to block you. The shield is what God has shown you. So now what I want you to do is take note. Tonight and tomorrow morning, whatever Satan sends your way, put up what God has shown you about what you're moving towards. So Paul says, the shield of faith. The shield. God has shown me and Kyra some things. God has shown me some things. And I was telling someone the other day that until I lay hold of everything that God has shown me, I'm not stopping. I'm not dropping. I'm going to be holding up my shield. God has shown you some things. And you dare not stop until you get every inch, every ounce of what God has shown you. Dare not stop. Dare not stop. If one person has been saved through Highlight, and if 10 people have been saved, I don't even know I put this on. And if 20 have been saved and baptized, and if we did an Easter egg drop, they said that we couldn't do. And if I just had this meeting the other day with Dr. Murray, who says she wants to continue on with the mentorship program and how there is really no organization that wants to do what we want to do in the next three to five years for mentorship. If we're going to be serving with Family Services, Inc. for beaten and battered 
and abuse women and their children for back to school and Christmas. It starts with one partnership. It starts with one school. Then it, you, you get all the other organizations, and then you, you're in all the schools, and then the gospel is going out. If, if, if we started with one, and we're in month 10 of our church's existence, I'm not stopping until every ounce is given to me. You should not stop until every promise, every inch of everything that God has for you is in your hands. You're too young to stop. How can we compare 10 months to 10 years? Stick with it. Fight back, number three. Got kids to raise. Got people to lead. You got people who were in your situation when you were 25. God is going to need you to be there when you're 30 to pour into them. Do not stop. Fight back. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Helmet of salvation is pretty much saying Christ died for you. As you stand up against Satan, even when you fall, he's going to save you because he's going to always attack the head. He's going to always attack your mind. I was four years old, and uh, right before I was going to start uh, pre-K officially. I was in, in, in the daycare. It was my last year. And uh, my mom picked me up. Well, I remember this like it was yesterday. My mom picked me up. I was in the back seat, and I was crying. I was trying to keep it quiet, you know. But she heard me, and she uh, put the rearview mirror on me. She said, Josh, you know, what's wrong with you? What's going on? And I said, um, I remember his name, too, man, that punk. <laughs> I, said, um, I said, Alex has been hitting on me. And, uh, and she said, like, did he hit you once? I said, no, it's been four, five, six times. This dude was a bully. And she said, just today? I said, no, for like three days now. She said, you haven't told me. I forget the teacher's name. She, you haven't told uh, your teacher? I said, yeah. Yeah, I told my teacher. But she hasn't, she hasn't done anything. And so she my mom bottled that up, and we drove, and we got home, and we walked in the house. We put our bags down, and she sat down at the kitchen table, and she stopped me, and, you know, I stood right there uh, in front of her, and she said, if your teacher isn't going to do anything about it, you fight back. You fight back. You don't allow this kid to bully you around. There are some things that God is not going to do for you because he, he's equipped you to do it on your own. He's given you a sword. This is the only offensive piece of equipment in the armor of God, and it represents the word of God. Satan will continue to bully you. 
problems will continue to come. Life is scrappy. Circumstances are scrappy. People, <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't get me started. People are scrappy. And you can't attack people because last week Paul told us that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So even when you want to respond, you may send a little something and they get your idea. But even when you want to respond, you cannot respond to people. You cannot always respond to circumstances because you don't have control. The only thing you can respond with is the word of God. So this is the way I see it. When problems hit, fight back with promises. When problems hit, fight back with promises. And there are, prom there are over 7,000 promises for your life in this word. And Satan knows it. That's why he loves the fact you don't have a devotional life. There are 7,000 promises in this word for your life. So when a problem hits, fight back with a promise. Psalm 91, 14 through 15. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will pr protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Fight back with the promise. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Fight back with a promise. Joshua 21, 45, not a single one of all of the good promises the Lord had given the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Fight back with the promise. Better not let that devil get you in a wall. Every time we run into a setback, we run to the word. Every time we run into a circumstance or a crazy person, we run to the word. Because you cannot fight your battles physically. You have to declare and dec decree the promises of the word of God. Because he's shown us things. And you're not just going to bogart your way through your supervisor and bogart your way through the company and the industry and just make it happen. You have to learn to get this word in your heart and to use this sword and tell Satan to stand down. I will be free. I will prosper. I will overcome this addiction. I will win. I will come to the promise. I will come to the vision. The word of God. The word of God. God has spoken promises over your life. Know his promises, declare those promises, and defeat the opposition. Come on, church. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on the day that this church would begin to, before I even step on the stage, celebrate with a great expectation of what God has done and what he wants to do in your life. Declare the promises of God. Declare them. Let's pray real quick, y'all. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. We love you with everything. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that you have equipped us and armed us. 
Thank you, Jesus, that we can put on the belt of truth, the vest of righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that our feet are prepared with the peace that comes from the good news, and we're ready to pursue purpose. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us a shield of faith because you've shown us great things about our future. You've shown us things, Lord, and you're calling us to pursue those things. Thank you, Jesus, that we have the power to extinguish the fiery arrows of the devil. Jesus, we thank you for the helmet of salvation. That we can have a peace that we are saved and that in any and every circumstance, you will save us. And we thank you, Jesus, for the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can declare promises when problems come our way. And thank you, God, that not one of your good promises to us shall ever fail. We will come to vision. We will come to those promises. In Jesus' name, amen. There is anyone in here who has not made Jesus your Lord. I want to give you this opportunity this morning. With all heads bowed, we're going to count to three. And uh, we're going to give you a chance to you know, be forgiven for your sin and make heaven your home. Have a new start this morning. Jesus wants you to be victorious. On the count of three, just raise that hand and we're not going to call you to the front. We're going to pray with you right there in your seat as a church. On the count of three, one, two, three. All right, Father, we love you again this morning. We give you all the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, thank you, church. Amen.